peace in our life. In fact, in the coming weeks, you're going to be asked to make goals, to come up with objectives for your life going into 2020, going into a new decade. And I want to suggest to you that the goal we don't emphasize enough or even think about enough is that goal of peace. That peace I referred to last week as our Jewish forefathers called it the shalom of God, the wholeness with God. A lot of times our goals and our objectives actually take peace away from us. But think about this. If we live a more peaceful life, think about what that's going to do for our blood pressure. What's What's that going to do for our overall health? You have to think long term. So every decision you make, is that going to bring God's peace to my life? Is that financial decision going to bring God's peace in my life? Is that statement that I just have to get off my chest and I have to say, does that bring God's peace and to my life. Yes, I know there's times when uh, disruption is appropriate and brings about um, change that needs to happen, but most of the time, let's just say 90% of the time, we need to choose peace because peace is characteristic of people who are children of God. I mean, we bring God's peace. And so I, I just hope today through this teaching that like your mind just begins to shift and you say, like, I'm a person seeking peace. And to see that not as a manifestation of weakness, but an expression of strength, strength of character, strength of personality, strength of, uh, strength of perspective. And so Jesus was the prince of peace. He's the one who, who embodies peace itself. And he said, I leave peace with you. I give it to you. It's my gift to you. Peace makes conversations more productive. Peace deepens friendships. Peace helps all of our experiences more enjoyable. Peace actually makes food taste better. Because if you ever tried to eat dinner when it's not a peaceful atmosphere, it doesn't matter how exquisite the recipe is. If you got all of this angst inside of you, it just does not taste good at all. It's like, it's like all that effort for no reason. I, I want to suggest that peace is like the hydration we need to stay healthy. I told you this before that having gone to the hospital all these years uh, to to pray with people in the ER, about 40% of the time people are just dehydrated. You know, people think I'm a doctor. I'm like, hey, have they started the fluids yet? Because once they start the fluids on, you're going to feel better. And then like two hours later, they're like, you were right, Pastor Aaron. I should have been a doctor. I I see this, you know, we got to have water to function. And and so, you know, drink your water, drink your water. Um, I like my water fizzy and dark, but hey, drink your water anyway. So this, this idea of hydration, like peace is our hydration. Like we're fully human when we're at peace, when we're at shalom with God and with mankind. It's like we can fully live, like we can be more creative. Uh, we, we, can, we can enjoy life more. Like the colors are brighter when we're at peace. When, we, when we're not at peace, it's like everything is just like uptight and, and just, it just everything is like shaded gray and, and we can't see that. So this is like big, this is a cute little sermon like, let's talk about peace this Sunday. It's like a quiet, safe sermon. No, this is like a transformational way to see your life. Like you're a person of peace and a person of peace enjoys life more and the people around you enjoy life more. You're taking peace to the environments that you're in. So peace is not something you get and it comes and goes like it's this exterior 
exterior kind of atmosphere, like I have to go to my certain session at two o'clock on Tuesday to get my peace. No, no, peace is not outside, peace is within. And peace is deposited to you by Jesus who leaves you peace and gives you the Holy Spirit. Peace is right within you. So Romans chapter 15 is going to reveal to us this morning some great principles uh, for, for the peace of God in our life. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, fill in the blank, write it down, because you're not going to guess this one. I know some of you try to outguess me on my sermons. And what are the blanks? Here it is. Peace through proven wisdom. Proven wisdom. That's what scripture is. I love new ideas. I love to learn. I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to talk about ideas. And, and current thought helps us. It gives us new perspective and it gives us new angles. But ancient wisdom is proven wisdom. And I want you to see that the scripture that we base our life about has been proven through the apostles has been proven through the church fathers and mothers, and has been proven in our lives. And so when we base our life around Scripture, we have a lot of peace because it's something that is reliable. It's something that has been tested. It's not some type of trendy thought process that may or may not work. No, it's tested wisdom that is a gift from God. Well, look at what verse 4 said. It says, it says still, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through, look at this phrase here, the encouragement from the scriptures. Now here's the interesting thing about the book of Romans. The book of Romans had not been canonized yet. So when it's talking about scriptures, it's actually talking about the Old Testament. Now, it applies to the New Testament too, of course, but I just want you to see that, that Paul is saying, I want you to be encouraged by Scripture. Like, he was going back to the Torah. He was going back to the prophets. He was going back to the Psalms. And so, it's that well that our spiritual forefathers have drawn upon, we get to draw upon too. That's why the Bible is precious and it's special and it's worth working with and it's for your encouragement and this is a time of year we're going to start like like really encouraging you to get a plan to read parts of the bible next year so you're going to hear some of that language and that language is coming but the purpose of that is for your encouragement, like to have courage to stand for God, to have courage to be moral people, to have courage to depend upon the Lord and not upon yourself. It's to infuse courage within you. And the Bible is reliable and it's, and it's tested and it's good. And so here's the great thing about the, the, the scriptures. We know that the Psalms, the collection now into the contemporary church, so here's what's cool. Like, I, I work with the Psalms every day. I, I'm usually praying some part of the Psalms. A psalm, because it's a collection of 150 songs. So if you're talking about one psalm, it's a psalm. If you're talking about multiple, they're psalms. I don't know why I told you all that, but I'll tell you why I told you that. Because one time I was, I was out there in that lobby, someone like 10 years ago corrected me because I used a plural and I should have used a single. So I'm just all paranoid up here. I want to sound smart like I know what I'm talking about. So here we go. Um, these songs that we work with, that we pray, that we sing often, 
it was the same prayer book that Jesus prayed through. This is amazing. Jesus himself worked with the Psalms every day and he recited them and he sung them and he lived them out. And so we, through scripture, when we're encouraged by scripture, we are encouraged by the same source that Jesus chose to be encouraged by. Now that's pretty powerful. That's ancient wisdom that can be, has been tested and is part of who we are. Paul, no doubt, read and studied the prophet Isaiah. Peter, he pondered on Elijah. William Tyndale, who helped us have the Bible today, no doubt was inspired by the courage of Esther. Harriet Tubman earned the nickname Moses because he was an example to her of leading people out of bondage. Martin Luther was shaken by the writings of Paul that affirmed faith alone will save us. His namesake, Martin Luther King Jr., quoted the book of Amos and the prophet Amos among the many scriptures he quoted when he said, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Here it is that we see that our faith, we go to the same collection that all Christians all times have gone to, that Jesus himself went to. So guys, if you want peace in your life, peace isn't about finding the newest book, it's about knowing the oldest book. Peace is not about the most trendy thing known, it's about the most tested thing known. I'm not opposed to the, that which is fresh and new and, and appeals to our intellectual curiosity, but I say Scripture first, Bible first. It's the baseline, it's the source, it's the place where we get our peace. Thank you for that clap over there. <laughs> the Washington Nationals were having a terrible season earlier this year. Back in May, they, they had lost the best player in baseball, Bryce Harper, Everyone said they were old. Everyone said that they, there was no way that they uh, would be able to recover from losing him. Then they started winning and winning and winning and winning, and they somehow got the wild card. But then they were facing the Los Angeles Dodgers with 106 wins. Like no one, they're not going to beat the Dodgers, but they beat the Dodgers. Then they faced the Astros with 107 wins. The hated Astros. You see, I'm a Texas Ranger fan. And so, sorry, Bob Boy, Tash, I don't know if he's in this service, but the Astros are the hated Astros. They're not God's team at all, but they were good. <laughs> With 107 wins, but the Washington Nationals won that series too. And so there's a lot of sports writers uh, and, and sports uh, followers have, have wondered, like, what made this team so great? It was the unity. It was the teamwork. And it doesn't always work this way, but it often works this way. It often works that it's not the most talented team that wins. It's the team that has that special it factor, that unity, that uniqueness, that team that overcomes the odds. And there are dozens and dozens of examples in the sports world of that. Guys, we want peace in our life. We need peace through cooperation. Peace through cooperation. That's our next point. Write it down. P 
peace through cooperation, this is the idea of unity. You know, I, I don't know if you can feel this. Like, I can pick up this unity like a radar, man. I, like, I've been able to walk into a room before, walk into a church before, walk into a boardroom before, walk into a, an office area before, and it's like this unity is like a, a, a tangible force you can feel. I mean, not all the time. I mean, there's been times I've been caught off guard by disunity, but sometimes you can just see disunity. I mean, you can just feel it, man. It has like a taste in the air. And the longer that we, we, we go through organizational health and it's certainly church health, you can just know the longer you walk with a group of people or no group of people, you can just feel that sense of disunity. This is what Romans chapter 15 verse 5 says. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. And this is, this is a sign of a mature church, a mature organization, a mature family. It's when people understand the power of unity, the power of one voice, the power of one message. And, you know, it takes some work. It's not healthy if everyone always has the same opinion and there's not full thought. That's called group think, where everyone just has one thought. But the idea is that as we work through different issues as a family, as a church, that we're going to do so with a harmonious spirit because one voice and one message is the voice of Jesus and the message of Jesus. You see, whether it's from London, where the most powerful leaders of the world met earlier this week uh, because of the NATO gathering, or whether it's a board meeting at a small country church in Iowa, or whether it's a teacher's lounge in the suburbs of Arizona or Phoenix, uh, the amount of time wasted, opportunity squandered, attention diverted due to unhealthy relational dynamics is incalculable. I mean, there's no way to know. Guys, here, here's the bottom line is this, is this unity is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. This unity is going to cost you time. This unity is going to cost you money. And most importantly, this unity is going to cost you relationships. So it is that when we are, are seeing peace as a goal, peace as an outcome, Peace as a characteristic of our life. Like peace is important. Like this is this is what we, we want. We want peace to be an expression of our relationship with God. The benefits from it are un, unreally describable. You can't describe what happens when there's peace. See, we're a family. And when a family is working best, it means this: I love you no matter what you do. I love you no matter what you do. Man, that's a hard standard to live up to. I've noticed that the word family is thrown around loosely today. It's thrown around just very casually. It's attached to all types of descriptors. But usually love is based off performance. What's amazing about family is family is based off, uh, off, off relationship. Or it's, it's based off uh, a sense of, of covenant that no matter what happens, we are going to be family you are part of us. That's the most powerful 
feeling someone could have. That's why gang activity has replaced the family. We've seen this for decades now in the United States of America, that gang activity has replaced the traditional family. That's why some people, uh, their identity is wrapped up in a sports team because as the family has unraveled, we're looking for family in other ways. And I believe that the church, I know this from scripture, we are in the best position to offer people the family that they need because we are a family that we're based off our creator, our creator who has made all people and we are to love one another. I I believe one of the most beautiful developments of the church in America the last 25 years or so has been the embracing of the fostering and adoption movement. And I just don't think the church is celebrated enough. Um, The church who has had a strong pro-life stance since 1975 and people who are pro-choice will say, well, what about the kids when they're alive? I care about that too, to somehow divert that argument. Well, I will say to you that the church in in America, that the people that I know, the people that I've gone to church with, the other pastors that I'm with are full of families who are fostering and adopting and making special arrangements that we are pro-life, not just when a child's in the womb. We are pro-life all the way through someone's life. And I am seeing that fleshed out among this church body in America. This idea that every single person has a family and they're in a family and they're loved unconditionally. And like, even though family rules happen and family standards are there, even when those are broken, they're still in the family. That's the power of acceptance and it's changing the world. And I want you to write this, peace through acceptance. This is the agape love. The love that isn't based off, well, we love you because you can sing good. We, we love you because you make us feel good when you sing. We love you because you can catch a football. We, we, we love you because you have lots of money. That's the type of love that we have. We love those who are beautiful. We love those who are talented. This is, this is our sinful man. We love those who inspire us. We love those who make us laugh. Agape love is an expression of God. It's unconditional love. It means we love every single person for the essence of who they are. We love people for the potential of who they can become under the image of God. This is the type of love, this is the type of acceptance that we get to uh, foster and cultivate as God's church. Romans chapter 15, starting with verse 7, says, Therefore, accept one another. What a rich passage. Just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Now at this point, there are a number of quotations from the Old Testament here that you can read and you can follow. You can follow the footnotes to see where they come from. And all of these show that God's plan of mercy, embraced from the first, was not just about the Jews. The Jews played an irreplaceable role, and so we still honor the Jews. But God had all of us, Like me, I'm not Jewish. He had me in mind from the beginning of the world. This is that message of acceptance, that God wants us to accept all people. Accept all people because Jesus has accepted us and we live out 
this ministry. Paul was speaking into racism. Paul was speaking into tribalism. Paul was speaking into the superiority that happens when we have pride and we're like, we're on the inside and the rest of those people are on the outside. He's saying, no, let's be the church of peace that says we're going to accept and we're going to accept people with this unbelievable God-inspired love. You know, guys, I used to play the guitar in seventh grade, and, and I occasionally will pick up the guitar, and I can play G, C, D, E minor, A minor. And then when I had to learn the F, oh, I could not play the F. I just could not do that. The 10 of you who are guitar players can maybe relate to this. So every once in a while, I'll, I'll get a guitar, and I, I, can, I can play a couple of songs. But what happened is, is in seventh grade, you know, my parents bought me a guitar and I took some lessons and I got so far, but when I couldn't play that F chord, I just stopped. I just stopped playing, but I never gave up the dream and the dream's not dead. You never know. Never know. One day I'll be up here. I dream of it, you know, like (laughs) I got my secret stage hat out, you know, and I'm ready to go. But for now, the dream is dead. And so, and so why do I not play the guitar anymore? Because I quit engaging. I quit exercising. I, I quit practicing. And, and how it is is that if we don't lean into a skill or if we don't lean into an interest or we don't apply ourselves, yes, I can still play those five or six chords, but that's it. I, I am stuck in seventh grade when it comes to playing the guitar. Here's the last point I want to make is peace through engagement. And that's what faith is. Verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, and then here's our theme for today, and peace. So think about this. May God fill you with joy and peace. Isn't that a nice expression? May God fill you with joy and peace. Every one of us want joy and peace. There's no one in here that doesn't want joy and peace. And so, yeah, that's a good thing. But look at this part. As you believe. What? May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the Trinity all through this passage, by the way. So this idea of God's going to fill you with joy and peace, and this is a grace from God, but it's the activation of our faith. It's leaning into the spiritual disciplines. It's the regularity we have to show up underneath the shower of God's grace that gives us the faith to receive what only God can give us. You cannot manufacture the spiritual life. You cannot produce it from within. You can't fake it. The work of the Spirit is something that comes from within, and it's a gift from God. But what you do is you exercise your faith, and it's not earning your salvation. It's positioning yourself to receive. It's like, it's like a waterfall, like the waterfall's coming down and it's all of the good stuff for God, his glory, his power, his anointing, and you just gotta step underneath it. It's that step of faith. Even the step to position yourself is a gift from God, so don't get all prideful like you're controlling the issue here. That is a gift from God too. But exercising your faith, and as we move into 2020, we move into this new decade, like I just hope that you just look at the future as a time to enjoy Jesus. Like, like say, 
I, you know, in your mind, just go for the peace of God. Go for the peace of God in your life. It's not pressure, it's opportunity. It's not a bunch of have to do's. I mean, quit trying to earn your way to heaven. Just receive the gift of God. Quit trying to earn your way. I wonder if I'm going to be, am I saved? Am I even saved? I'm going into heaven. Jesus settled all that. Now he's saying, I just want you to step into your peace, the peace that I have for you. I want you to step into the wholeness of God. I want you to walk in what I've prepared for you. The gift is right right there. It's within you. It's before you. And this is what the Lord has for us. We exercise our muscles. We exercise, we practice our skills. We do certain things to get certain outcomes. And this is the gift of God for us today. I want you to join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the peace of the Lord, the peace that we receive, the peace that is ours. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just, I know that we're getting positioned for the next part of service, but I just want us to wait upon the Lord just for a moment. Man, that peace is yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Um, not everyone may understand every decision you make, but if you're making decisions for the peace of God, under the leadership of God that's a good thing to do some of you who are raising kids one of the caretakers have decided to make less money for more peace and the Lord wants to affirm in you that that peace is more valuable than the paycheck you used to get some of you may need to adjust your travel schedule because you just need more time need more time in the community You've worked all this time to have all this flexibility, and I'm proud of you, but maybe the Lord's saying, yeah, that's what you thought you were working for, but it wasn't just to travel. It was, it was for you to go deeper in the community. It was for you to give more to the kingdom. This, this could be you. This could be you that the Lord's just saying that your peace is not through your mobility, like this, this power. It feels so powerful to choose when to go and where to go. You know, you can go, you go to this part of the country. You can go to the next continent. But the Lord says, that's not where the peace is. The peace is in following me. And the Lord's telling you to defer that trip. The Lord's telling you to delay those plans because he has something for you right here in your community. There's more peace in obedience than there is in self-interest. There's more peace in choosing. If you're considering a college to go to, you know, don't just pick... That thing, that which is conventional and practical, the Holy Spirit may be leading you to something that was un, not even in your imagination weeks ago or months ago. And, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord really cares about that. He cares about that. His peace is one of your guides. It's not the only guide, but it's a primary guide. The Lord will give you peace about the places you are to go. The Lord will give you peace about the decisions you are to make. The Lord will give you peace about the relationships you are to invest in. If you don't have peace about that relationship, if you don't have peace about that friendship, it's time to reprioritize the role of that friendship in your life because God's peace is guiding you. God's peace is guiding you. And when all of the conditions say yes, 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 but the Holy Spirit says no. Listen, we don't listen to the conditions. We listen to the Spirit because the Spirit is leading us through the peace of God because the, the peace of God is the gift of God.
and the gift of God for us. So Lord, we receive your peace. We receive your peace as a guiding source of light into our future. And we thank you for that.